Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes. A Liverpool-Chelsea stalemate. Holland is inevitable. A very CONCACAFI non-call. And our biggest week one surprises. What's up guys hey hey, hey. hey what's, what's up going fellas? Going on chris smith and andrew we were just together a few hours ago it was very fun to watch a match together it was it was good it was a good time and uh we had play by play by uh by your son because he was oh, man. sick <laughs> he is, he's yeah. never stopped talking in his entire life <laughs> he is in the most fullest of junior high he is like fully embraced his junior highness so <laughs> sports he was homesick so he was there giving just non-stop talking and non-stop talking it was it was it was a lot no it was a it was a really fun game uh before we hit record um we were talking about the the quality of the schedule for the uh, Monday afternoon games here in the States. Right. And I guess yeah. right now it looks like we can compare it to, I don't know. They're, they, they seem a little, uh, the schedule we were looking at seemed a little lopsided, but today was supposed to be a lot more lopsided than it was, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Huh? Yeah, we will. We'll get into that. So let's, uh, this is soccer neophyte. So we're going to start with our neophyte. He focused on Chelsea in the Chelsea Liverpool match on the weekend. So let's kick it off just with, with Lundberg sharing thoughts from that match. Yeah, that was good. I mean, one of the reasons it was kind of cool with this being the opening match of the season, because this past spring when I was in London, I got to watch Liverpool uh, play Southampton before Southampton got relegated and then we went and toured Stamford Bridge and saw all of the whole Chelsea deal and then two days later we went up to Liverpool and saw Liverpool so those are the only two places that I went uh so it's cool with both these teams playing each other uh opening week so I, I just a little bit of background at least uh compared to some of the other clubs and yeah I mean I haven't followed too much but I know that the uh, joke that Chelsea was last year and all the talk coming in. And and so I had maybe some expectations that they probably would look okay, but I, I was blown away how good and cohesive they looked and just the chemistry that it looked like they had. And I, obviously I'm, you know, uh, you know, riffing a bit on the, the commentators and some of the stuff that they were seeing too at halftime at the end of the game. But yeah, they looked they looked fantastic, and it was fun to see a game at Stanford where I've never watched that on on TV before. So actually being there and seeing it happen, it was really cool. But no, great game. I mean, couple players obviously stood out. I was texting you guys during the game. Kanate is that how you say it? Kanate, yeah, the, the defender. The, yeah, for he's a beast for yeah. Liverpool and their whole back line. So with Van Dyke and uh, who's the other guy? Sixty six. Alexander. Um, right back yeah alexander arnold he's young i mean it looks like he's still like coming into his own but yeah with van dyke and Kanate back there those, those guys are monsters and um you know salah had you know an amazing pass on that first goal that one with his left foot that he put i mean that was unbelievable 
Uh, and then the other one that they got called back on the VAR call. I don't know if you guys saw that VAR call, which looked like it was second goal, but brought it back. And then a, a great goal in the, and the, the 37th minute or something on the, on the ball by the defender defenders doing work. So, you know, you guys commented like, Hey, a neophyte that likes defense. And that's what I spent most of my time watching. So it was great. Yeah. I think a couple things to note that, uh, you mentioned Alexander Arnold. He he is typically a defensive liability, amazing passer, um, great offensively, can be quite lazy at times. But but I I thought he he played fairly well. So that was I think I, Tim and I talked um, about the match a little bit today. Right. That was that was definitely encouraging for him. But that that whole sequence from Alexander Arnold or from uh, on their goal with Allison, the keeper, kicking it up to Shobasly, Slobosai's pass up to uh, Sala. That first that pass up the wing, yeah. And then that it was touch by Sala was just remarkable. Well, yeah, and, and Silva looked like he was going to get back and was just a little bit slow because he was there and that ball was just perfect. So it was just it was, an inch too far yeah. or an inch further back, it's it's not a goal. So, no, that was – Saul is Saul is the man. That was remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was watching both teams a little bit. Obviously, I was focused. I've, I've maybe I've shared. I, I have a, a default bias already with with Liverpool, just because my son's a Liverpool fan, and I can't stand red for the life of me. So it doesn't mean they can't grow on me in time. But actually, I, I was watching it with him, and I actually really enjoyed a lot of the the Liverpool players, at least, and and the way that they played. But the guy that stood out more than anybody else of any player on the pitch was James 24 for, for Chelsea. Like he, every single time he touched the ball, something good happened. And dude, that, that dude looks like a linebacker. Like I would not want to go into him at any point of a game. Like he wins everything that he gets near. And so uh, I, he, you guys told me too, isn't his sister the one for the, at the world cup game that stepped on the gal from wherever. Yep. Is yeah, that like his is that like his MO too? Like is he kind of a dirty player or like I don't know? No, I don't think so. And I really don't think she is either. I think it was just like it's just kind of a one off one of those situation judgment things, you know. So um yeah, but yeah, brother sister tandem dominating. <laughs> That's cool. No, yeah. I love like like that was the biggest highlight other than like a really good game. Like it was fun soccer to watch, like just the whole obviously rivalry because two good teams, you know, with, with a lot of history and, and first match of the, of the season, but yeah, it was good, good soccer. Like it was, it was open. Like there's a lot happening. It was back and forth. The, the amount of chances that Chelsea, had, I felt like they didn't, after they subbed in all of their, they subbed in the, the new guy they picked up from Ukraine, the Ukrainian player. Oh, yeah. What, what's his name? Mudrik. Like they didn't do anything really after the, the, the subs came in late in the game. So it'll be interesting. Like, I don't know if they're obviously the two new guys that are coming in that I've been following on the news this week uh, that they, they signed, maybe they've got some more depth, but uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. Yeah. It'll be interesting because it felt really pretty evenly matched, which is either good or bad for both teams, right? Like, is it evenly matched because they're both going to finish close to top four or is it even, or was it, evenly matched because they're both going to be closer to six, seven, right? Like sure. that's that, that's the question because I think both, both teams have, have a lot of questions, Liverpool losing a lot of leadership, embedding some new guys, Chelsea's team, 
like honestly is almost a hundred percent new, like, yeah. Amazing how cohesive they played with how many new people they brought in. So, so really it's a question of, yeah, it looked really evenly matched. It was a fun, it was a fun match. Um, but I think time will tell whether or not that was where they really fell on the, on the table. I don't know much about their keeper, but that seemed like the only week, like is Sanchez, like like a big deal. Like he looked, he had a couple of just boneheaded plays. And so like, I don't know if like that's a liability that's a known liability or if he's like one of the strong, like it didn't, it didn't look positive on in the, in the back. Well, so they basically sold their keeper like the day before that game happened. Got it. Okay. So he's like a stand-in, so he will not. Oh, he is. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel better if I'm considering, you know, yeah, a, a Chelsea, a Chelsea option here. So they'll bring someone in. They don't know who quite yet. At least last I saw. But yeah, they they sold their keeper. I think to Real Madrid the day before that game happened. So got it. Okay, that makes sense. Any other thoughts from you guys on uh, Chelsea Liverpool? Uh, I'm just really interested to see where these teams go from here because, like, you guys were the positives of, like, hey, look how good Chelsea was in Liverpool, and they played, they battled, and I was the opposite going, well, maybe they both suck. Yeah. So it'll yeah, be really possible, interesting. Yeah. It'll be really interesting because I just – I'm not a believer or big fan of this Chelsea squad. I think – they remind me of a slightly more talented, maybe a lot more talented Nottingham Forest from last year, where they just kept bringing in guys nonstop up until the transfer window closed, and then they had no cohesion, no or no cohesiveness, um, and it was just really weird. And so I worry about that. I I don't think Polk is the greatest coach there is. I do think he's a good coach, so I think he'll at least get. Um, better results from the club than what they got last year but some of the guys they brought in i just shake my head like i just don't get it i don't see it um you know mudrick has still not scored since he's been in the league and that was his 17th game with them um i don't know i just i just don't see it and it makes me more concerned for liverpool than best for chelsea because i didn't think chelsea was going to be that good but it's the first freaking league of the season so who knows who knows? I thought How's um, this. Sorry, go ahead, Lumberg. No, I was going to say like this whole Calcedo, Caicedo transfer that's coming in. Like, is that seems like that's a big deal? But I looked and he didn't do like he did. Was he a big player with? Was it Brighton last year? Is that where he was at? Yeah. So was Bright. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say so. Brighton had like a Cinderella season last year, and like they kind of very much over um over succeeded i guess you could say um where they had a great run they were towards the top of the table almost the whole season he's a very sturdying player in the midfield like he was super solid no mistakes very good defensively um i i think he's a good player i don't think he's a 115 million dollar player which like blew my mind because the rumor was all season he was going to go somewhere. And Brighton knew they were going to sell him all summer. They just put a deadline on it. And then the fact that the bid got that high, I was like, that's insane. So very good player, very solid. Um, 
But I mean, they're paying like elite level striker money for a midfielder who's going right. to kind of, you know, hold the four down, which is pretty scary if I'm an yeah. owner of a team. Okay. That's helpful. That's good context. It's one of those things where I think Brighton, Graham Potter, what he did with them and like developing players and getting more out of players than maybe what they thought and kind of unearthing these gems. It's almost one of those things where it's created a Brighton tax where right. uh, if a play, a young, good young players coming from Brighton who had a passable season the year before, he's going to get more money than a, a player of similar skill and statistics from another club. So so you're you'll see that I think a lot with Brighton and they've been good at it. I mean the the teams the players that they've sold um Alexis McAllister they sold to to Liverpool um Leandro Trossard they sold the year before to Arsenal like they've just continued to sell these guys and make massive profits off of them. So he's probably not worth that money and the the Liverpool drama like change that a lot too because i think chelsea ended up paying like 30 25 or 30 million more than they were going to until liverpool popped in there so got it and then they bought another midfielder today for 75 million more dollars so is that the lavia guy yeah where's he from he's southampton right i don't know or was um let me look. Sorry, give me a second. Yeah, he's Southampton. That's what I thought. There's only 11 spots on the field, so gosh. Like, that's the part that it's wild. Like, you're starting the season, you're looking good. It seems like, again, one game in, but have some chemistry. It's like, we're going to throw two more high-dollar players into the mix. It's all all, all new for my, my, my neophyte mind. Yeah. Well, and, and the most entertaining part is that these are both guys that Liverpool outbid Chelsea for, and both players decided they would rather go to Chelsea than go play for Liverpool. So, so. hey, after, after being in both places for two hours, I I I, I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. At least at least that part. <laughs> Andrew, did you have anything you want to mention about Chelsea Liverpool? All right, well, let's move on to uh, the opening match of the Premier League season and very fittingly, the opening goal scored by, scored by Erling Holland, followed up with another just freaking thunderous strike. Um, he's inevitable. I don't even know what else to say. I mean, maybe we can talk about Burnley, uh, you know, that there was a lot of high hopes for Burnley and who you play matters, Chris, as you often say, but um, city just picks up right where they left off. Holland picked up right where he left off. I mean, you might as well get that ass whooping out of the way early, you know, I mean, they're going to get a couple more, at least they know what it feels like. Um, uh, I have this friend, he's a stand-up comedian. Um, he bombed worse than anything that's ever happened in the, in, in his, in his life. And, um, He's like, dude, the next morning I, I I was just thinking, as long as I didn't kill myself, I was gonna be fine in the morning. Burnley will get they'll shake it off, right? 
they'll be fine in the morning. They're like, this was bound to happen eventually. Uh, so it, they got it out of the way. That's what I'm saying. They're alive. They realize it's not the end of the world. It's a rough draw to go up against uh, Manchester City as a newly promoted club. Yeah, and I, I mean, 3-0, they got the red card against them as well late in that game. But um, I, they didn't play horribly. They, they were sticking through, and they were playing pretty well to start the game. And then when Man City remembered that Erling Haaland was on their team and they gave him the ball, that's when the ball just started going. So if if I'm City, I give him the ball all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just not old. fair. He's just <laughs> so much bigger and better than everybody. It's it's just it's, not fair. He's so good. It is pretty wild to see a guy that big have the finesse skills that he possesses as well. Like that's he, where it crosses into the not fair territory. Yeah. He went for another scorpion kick. It, uh, he went <laughs> for the scorpion goal. He didn't get it, but he went for one. And I was like, keep it up, brother. You'll, you'll get it. His, the, his second goal was incredible. That was yeah. such an amazing shot. So, so, so sweet. Did you guys notice at halftime him and pep getting into it? Yeah. Pep yeah. Get into it going off. I don't, it looked like Holland was yelling at someone because they had the bad possession and it, they, I think someone made a back pass or something. And I think Holland was pissed that they didn't push forward right at the end of the half. So Holland was yelling. Then you see got that dog in him. Yeah. Pep walks up to him and starts yelling at Holland. So he clearly wasn't happy about something. And then the camera's right there and Pep reaches over and like pushes the camera away. It was so good. It was, it's week one. It's week one, guys. <laughs> and you're playing Burnley. Um, yes, thank you yes. for reminding me, by the way, Chris. How wide open was Holland on his second goal? He was he was so how I was blown away that there was nobody on him. Ah. Isn't yeah. there supposed to be somebody always just attached to this hip and then usually a second person just, you know, spying him the whole way? It's not a bad idea. It's definitely not a bad idea. Unbelievable. I, what's crazy is like I think he had like three legitimate touches in the first half and he scored on two of those three. It was like just absurd. Yeah. And he was and mad he almost, about the third one. Yeah. He almost kicked his team in the face on a cross too. That was, that was so good. Well, there's another team in Manchester who also got three points today, this first match week. That's Manchester United. We watched that match today, guys. And, um, it was a far better match than anyone expected. Um, I said, I said, I would be happy if wolves lost by one and scored. So I was nearly happy at the end of this match, <laughs> um, nearly happy. I got half of my, of my wish, but wolves played really great, really physical, um, exciting football here. Here is what, here is the stat that matters the most. Wolves had 23 shots. It was the second most in the history of the Premier League era at United. Wolves, guys, listen. Dang. Do you understand who we're talking about? Wolves. And I, I don't remember how many were on target, but six, eight, like six, six on target. 
a remarkable <laughs> showing by Wolves. Now, six, three of those six, maybe four of the six, were directly at Onana, <laughs> like directly at him. They made him look so good today. <laughs> he tried to make himself look really bad, but they made him look good. He really did bad. try. He did try. Yeah. It, well, okay. So in all fairness and in all honesty, as we were getting ready for this game, Nate, before it even started, we went over how close this matchup has actually been. And I remember our first season, or I guess it would be technically our second season, but our first season after selecting our teams, and we met at the pub, the Wolves pub out in Gilbert, and watched the match together. And I went into that match thinking we were going to kick the shit out of you guys. And I was so pumped to watch it at a Wolves bar and watch you guys lose. And it ended in a draw. I think it was a nil-nil draw or a 1-1 draw. And every match between these two clubs since we started watching has been very close. So I certainly didn't come into this game thinking it was going to be a blowout, um, especially considering how slow United started last year. Um, Much different circumstances, but they were terrible to start the season last year. Lost 2-1 at home. That was actually the last time United has lost at Old Trafford was the first game of last season to Brighton. Um, and then they got their ass kicked for nothing at Brentford before things started around. So um, I was very cautiously optimistic, uh, but Wolves played great. I'm going to give all the credit to, to Wolves on, on this one. Um, if we're being honest, it probably should have ended in a draw. Onana certainly deserved a penalty at the end of that game. That was my question. Where are you guys at on the non-call? Because this is all yeah. new. Like, we're, what did you think, Chris? Were you Were you like this is coming because I okay. I thought for sure it was coming. I, I was a hundred percent worried um because it is absolutely a questionable play no doubt about that I have watched enough Premier League over the years that I've seen that play happen a lot and at least in my head the only time I, I really remember or recall them like giving penalties on those is when there's contacts directly to the player's head. So I think from a pure like visual standpoint, the fact that when Onana went in with his hands, he missed his head and hit him on the shoulders and kind of slid down the rest of his body that way. I think that was the only thing that saved him. Um, I've seen a bunch of replay, which sure looks like a penalty to me. Um, Tim Howard said after the game, that's not a penalty. And, you know, he's Oh, a I didn't see that. Okay. So he's uh-huh. a keeper. Yeah. So he's going to protect. Sure. Right, and he also picked Wolves to get relegated, so he's probably protecting his pick a little bit there, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the officials and what they're taught to give any sort of, like, conclusive. In my head, I think the only reason it didn't is because he didn't make contact with the head, but everything else, I mean, he just blows into him. Jacks his shoulder with his hands when he missed the ball and doesn't get the ball like he gets all right. body. The problem no is the problem is it's not that he misses the ball here. I think this is the biggest issue is it's not that he misses the ball. The ball is well gone by the time yeah. he gets there. Correct. So that's a, I think even the bigger issue and PGMOL, which is the governing body of the referees, issued an apology before Wolves right away left, before they even left the yeah. stadium, which is unheard. <laughs> Like unheard of. So in Lodge's post-match press conference with the media, not Lodge, or, not Bruno. I said Bruno Lodge. Holy crap! You're two coaches like, behind. Like two coaches behind. <laughs> um, Gary O'Neill in the press conference, uh, not the on-field one, but the post-match. 
in the locker room or whatever, uh, they had already issued an apology by then, which is Chris knows like sometimes they'll come a couple days later, but for them to say it that quickly is pretty, pretty remarkable, which it just sucks as a, as a fan and probably as the players too, they worked their asses off. They played great, arguably played out, arguably outplayed them. I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but deserved a point. And then to come away um, with nothing sucks. I also won't lie in that I kind of wanted to see a penalty kick just because I wanted to see how Onana the defend was. I was really, I was really excited to see what would happen. And I actually don't know who would take the penalty because Raul and Neves, who have taken maybe a hundred percent of Wolves' penalties in the last like five years, are both gone. So I was curious if they'd give it to Silva. Uh, Neto, I just, I don't know. Cunha, I don't know who they would have given it to. So, or Cunha was off by that point. So it, I was really curious to see who Wolves were going to give it to, but um, just a bummer, just a bummer. Yeah. It ended that way, a match that good. Um, Even though it wasn't my match, I watched the whole thing and Wolves, Wolves gave, gave a good first impression. So, yeah. They, they represent really well. Eric Ten Hag after the game was very supportive and encouraging of Wolves and how they played. He was pretty disappointed in his own players. but uh, Okay, yeah, this Wolf- has all been great. I'm cutting you off. I'm sorry. This has been a love fest, and <laughs> I've had enough of it. Um, it's great. Yes, the Wolves played great. United, for the first half, played like absolute shit. So as much credit as we want to give to the Wolves, maybe fine. United played one of the worst first halves I've seen in a long time. My boy Garnacho specifically, I was calling him out from start to finish. He couldn't complete a pass. He couldn't he couldn't run to a spot. He kept uh, he just kept making stupid stupid moves with regards to the ball being out of touch. It was or into touch whatever out of bounds. I know what you're trying to say <laughs> out of bounds anyway he made a couple of stupid ball like near the line um and he I, he was probably the worst of them but um Anthony made a bunch of stupid passes uh Bruno wasn't no, Bruno's um, so yeah, passes Bruno Mark. I mean it was, it, was, it was not a good showing by United either they, yeah, they looked I, ridiculously I, bad yeah Anthony was the worst of the bunch in my opinion Garnacho started to pick it up um, a little bit before he got subbed. His pace is always super critical for them. So even though bad passes, bad touches, bad decisions, the fact that he was the, one of the only ones that was constantly pressing them was a positive. Bruto sucks for the most part, but his pass to set up the goal was world class. That was a that was a thing of beauty, and that's what you get with Bruno. Like the more you watch him. And uh, going back a couple of seasons, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the coach of United for a couple of years, said, that's Bruno Fernandes. That's what you get. You, you get a couple of <laughs> you get uh, a couple of really bad turnovers, but the one just brilliant pass that almost no one else can make is why it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, but that pass to set up the goal was so good. Um, uh, shout out to Sancho who came that's in. What I, that's what I was he was he really, all over the field. He changed the game when he came in. His he was the one who really changed the game. Was well, either him, Chris, or you sent us the video of the guy who ran <laughs> the pitch because yes. once the ball in the box or and had possession, 
And there's an argument to be made that the guy on the pitch actually uh, won the match for United. So, or at least saved the three points. Yeah. Gene Simmons ran out from the stands and started running around the pitch, causing a dead ball when uh, Wolves were attacking. It was pretty great. Pretty nice. I look like the Wolves keeper was going to go make the tackle too. Like if you re- like he <laughs> comes up as like, this is my shot. Like I, I was real excited when I saw that. I thought livid. that's how it was going to end. Yeah, they saw he 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 lives for he would live for that. So, well, gentlemen, what we're we're one match weekend, and I'm just curious, what were the what was the biggest surprise for you? You know, we made our predictions last week. Um, what was the biggest surprise for you in match week one? Can can I just say nothing because the uh the schedule did not present us with much to be like oh yeah look at how off we were um other than chelsea liverpool the matchups were kind of spread out i guess if you want to look at one thing aston villa really struggling against newcastle would be the biggest one um but i mean the schedule just didn't really present much of anything for us to be like oh yeah boy we missed that one but since you um, mentioned it, Aston Villa was my big surprise. I really thought the signings they made in the offseason were really solid. And I expected that match to actually be the best match of the week. Um, whether the best match was today's, I think you could make a good argument, or Liverpool-Chelsea. Um, I expected Aston Villa to play a lot better than than Newcastle. So that was my big surprise of the week. Okay, ready? So to follow on Chris's point, um, other than Aston Villa, these are the bottom teams from, you know, including goal differential. Ready? From bottom to top. Burnley, Luton Town, Wolves, Sheffield, Everton, Forest, West Ham. Does any of that surprise you? No. No, nothing. Not a little bit. Um, we learned nothing. All of the bottom teams played each other, all of the middle to uh, sort of. Because, I mean, uh, like we were talking about Saturdays. Saturday's match was nothing. We learned nothing from that Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it was fun to have a bunch of games to watch. That's what I learned. I learned how happy I am that soccer's back. I did like your comment as you were exiting the bathroom on your way out the front door today, though, Andrew, of getting to see the bell curve happen out in real life. Oh, yeah, because we have uh, seven wins, seven losses, and six ties. It's a pretty nicely even <laughs> spread around. It's uh, Who doesn't like a nice bell curve? Actually, we were saying it should be – it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll take this surprise a little different way. My biggest surprise of the weekend was how – how good those Nottingham Forest kits look in real life. <laughs> I'm let me tell you, if I could go back a week, I would make a strong case for those as my number one kit. Wow. The blue, yes. They looked real good. I will agree that they look good. Better. I hate I did not like those jerseys, but I couldn't stop looking at them when I was watching and I was trying to decide if I hated them or not. I hate that's them. what Yep. And it's fine. I hated them in the pictures. I hated them on the pitch. It's fine. I loved how we, um, I guess the other surprise was seeing some of these kits, uh, yeah, live. 
the Chelsea ones, which uh, Nate, you kind of went back and forth on liking. I did not like seeing those ones live at all. It's the wrong color blue. They've got those weird white wings under their arms. It's uh, it's those were not good looking. Oh, and what was the other one that came up uh, that you called the Monet? Oh, Tottenham's because oh. uh, <laughs> they've got that stupid collar and then they look great when, until they zoom in on them is what you said. What, what did you not like about them when they were up close? The color seems off. Maybe in the same way you don't like that blue for Chelsea. I don't like this weird blue. It looks great from far away. As soon as you get up close, it just looks box. The it looks boxy. It looks huh. it'll fit. It look just looks odd. There's something about it I don't like. But it's like an optical illusion up close, but from far off. It's like yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like the Acropolis in Greece. <laughs> I, I did hear that Chelsea signed a sponsorship deal. And there will be a sponsor donning the front of those jerseys real soon. Who did they say who it was? They didn't. They're trying to keep it under wraps, but there was a leaked photo from a photo shoot where one of their, I don't know if it's like interns or whatever, she's holding one of the jerseys for one of the players. And you can see it's EE, which I don't know what it is, but it was EE. EE. All right. Well, we'll see. EE. Like what a seal says? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, we did have one red card this week. So our and I I could not be more happy. It could not be more fitting for Soccer Neophytes podcast as we've switched from red card watch to straight reds only that the first one of the season was a NOS from Burnley on Kyle Walker. He got him with a very high tackle <laughs> mid mid shin. It looked like a flop when you watch it in real life. It looks like a flop. It doesn't look like a very dangerous tackle. Uh, and then well, even the commentator. Walker, so. But that was one of the things is like Kyle Walker really doesn't go down easy. Um, and so uh, the commentators are like, oh, yeah, looks like the refs grabbing his like yellow out. And then they show the replay like, yikes, that's a little, that's a little high and dangerous. So he got the straight red. So uh, well done, Anas, uh, for Burnley. First now, there should have been another straight red on um, who was the keeper who ran out and – Oh, great point. Was that Martinez, Emilio Martinez? Yes, Emmy Martinez. That's right. I forgot about that for Aston Villa. I don't know how that wasn't a red card. That was as red card as red card gets. What? Well, yeah, what else – a keeper running out and grabbing a, a, a offensive player by his collar and then pulling him backwards. Like, that's clearly denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, I have no idea how that one wasn't a red. And Newcastle took that personally because it was still 1 1 at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they ended up winning 5 1. That, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. it would Maybe it would have been better for Martinez to get the red card and be sent off than let the next four shots go in. We do have a little American watch today. Uh, I just wanted to highlight Matt Turner. Matt Turner started for Nottingham Forest against his former club, Arsenal. Uh, He allowed two goals. They lost 2-1, but he had five saves. So that's a 71% save percentage, which I actually don't know a lot about save percentages 
So I looked up, so I thought, okay, who's a highly touted keeper that I should compare to? So I thought, well, Onana, everyone's up Onana's ass. Everyone loves him. What did Onana do last year? Onana had a 73% save percentage last season uh, in Syria. So I felt Matt Turner with a, with a good performance. Um, hold on, hold on. Probably going to allow a lot of goals this season because he plays for Forest, but hopefully he makes enough saves to make it worth it. You're comparing doing worse in one game, a small sample size, versus the other guy who did better over about 38 games. That's. I was just. I wanted to know. Oh, what okay. right. it was, and he did worse by two percentage points, Andrew. It's barely worse. Small sample size, dude. Small well, of sample course. size. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's one week. We're making a lot of all of our judgments right now. We're on a small sample size. Get out of my butt. Well, Ederson's save percentage last season was sixty-eight point six. So. Okay. So there's That's that. Good. Yeah. What was the highest? Oh God. Well, you're looking that up. I do want to say that Tyler Adams looks like he's going to Bournemouth, which uh, from Leeds, which would be a great uh, move both for him and for Bournemouth. Tyler Adams is is very solid, and he'll get tons of playing time there, which is what he needs. So uh, we'll have to stay tuned for that. But that would add another American to Premier League. David De Gea with a seventy save percentage last season. Shut up! Really? <laughs> He didn't face that many shots. Yeah. He let a lot of goals in. I'm blown away that it's that high, though. Yeah. Wait, that could be... Sorry, that was only his Europa stats. Sorry about that. Hmm. He he, he, uh, saved 18 of 28 shots in Europa. Hmm. Let me see if I can find the actual one. Because he allowed 42 in EPL. 71% in the Premier League last year. 71.1. There's a reason he won the Golden Gloves, guys. His career average, 72.9. Well, let's move on uh, to best of the weekend. Uh, We've decided, instead of just doing best goals or best assists or best saves, we would just give each other uh, one best thing that we wanted to talk about. And so uh, for me, it was this story about, and I'm sure I'm going to hammer this name, but Peli Ruddock Maponzu for Luton town. He is the first player in history to move up and play with the same team in five different divisions. So he started in uh, the the National League, which is the league just below League Two, made famous in America by uh, Wrexham. And he moved up with them from, from that fifth division all the way up to the Premier League. So I just thought that's an amazing story to stick with the same team for your entire career and uh, finally make it to the Premier League. First player ever in Premier League history to do that. We need like an official tip of the hat gesture or something, you know. I was like gonna a, say we should drink to that because yeah. I mean seriously, that's, <laughs> Cheerio. that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that that guy had enough talent to not only be in the national league but also to be in the Premier League eight years later. Like that's 
that's what's wild to me. It's like, how did they find that guy when they were in the National League playing in parks and stuff? I'm officially uh, nominating him for the uh, Treori Award. Oh wow! Um, early nominate, early nomination. Early <laughs> nomination. Let's uh, let's see if he can live up to the hype. Or did he, um, grow, Chris? Or Chris, did he just grow at the exact right skill level to move with the team the whole time? Like, was he a National League player back when he first signed, and just has improved his game? consistently over the course of you know the nine years or i forget how many years he's been with them eight years yeah so when he when he was in the national league he was 21 so it's very possible that he was a like an unknown 21 year old and eight years later he's in the epl it's pretty it's an awesome story it really is it's a great story um i guess i have something since we haven't mentioned it on the on the podcast yet. Um, uh, I guess the best thing of the week for me is that any allegiance that you might've thought I might have for a certain old Tottenham team is no longer because um, (laughs) my favorite player is uh, no longer in the EPL. So um, I guess uh, from all of us to everybody's favorite here at soccer neophytes, Harry Kane, specifically Nate, Oh, God, Harry, you should see the things he says about you behind your back. He loves you so much. <laughs> anyway, we, we bid you adieu and uh, a fita sane and uh, have fun in Munich. Do um, host, Harry Kane, do host. Yeah. We, I, I miss him already. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Oh, wait, what was the story you told me? Kyle Walker team. Oh, man. Okay, so what was it you were telling me, Chris, that um, because Bayern Munich's um, jerseys – uh, the names, it says Bayern Munich at the top where your last yep. name typically is. So yep. um, he was pointing at his last name, but his last name's actually down by his butt. So he, sh- he had to switch to like the, almost the Pee Wee Herman tequila dance, you know? The dun, dun, <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, they were, yeah, they were like, he's going to need to find a new way to do that one. Yeah, that's so good. Well, and we should also mention that Bayern got spanked 3 nothing today. And so probably the, the tweet of the weekend was... <laughs> You can take Harry Kane out of Tottenham, but you can't take the Tottenham out of Harry Kane. <laughs> We're obviously I, referring to their inability to win any trophies. Yeah. I, I look forward to joining in on this um, piling on in the future. It's good. It's <laughs> good. Well, my best of the week, and I can't believe this hasn't been mentioned yet, is the Gabriel Martinelli assist on the goal to Eddie unbelievable pass that was so sick to go spin move back heel behind your back oh it was so good that's the play of the week love it um in terms of goals of the week though Sokka's goal uh a little bit later on was probably what i I thought it was the prettiest goal of the week yeah it was Sokka's so good He's so good. I love that guy. Lundberg, all sample size for you, but it, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of jumped the gun. I could say, you know, uh, best of the weekend, that forest kit, which I really could care less if you guys like or not. That that's high. I liked it. I liked um, it. I'm with you. You know, I'm I'll, again, I'll take it a different route here because it's the game that I watched. The best of the weekend for me was that there's a, 
38-year-old center back, nearly my age, in Tiago Silva, looking like a 25-year-old young buck. And he's, I don't know how long these guys play, but gosh, it sure looked like to me he's got at least another three, four, five years. I was super impressed with that when I realized how old he was. Well, wait until you see James James Milner. Well, I guess, oh, I thought James Milner was older. James Milner is only 37. But James Milner is 37. He signed with Brighton this offseason. Uh, he's in his 22nd season in the Premier League. It's amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, so I appreciated Silva just, just for that aspect alone. And he is the oldest player in the Premier League. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Well, I nailed it. I, I saw the guy and I'm like, I've heard that name before. And so I looked him up while I was watching. I'm like, oh my goodness. 38. So good. That leads us to best bet. Chris, take it away. Brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel, where all your betting needs are made. All right, guys. Uh, some of us had a good weekend. Some of us did. So, uh, Unfortunately for FanDuel, they lost more money than they made this week on us. So uh, let's start with the good before we hit the bad. The good, Tim took a pretty safe bet in Newcastle, minus 140. Um, so he won all of $71.43. Congratulations, Tim. You're in the green. You're in the green after week one, which is a big deal. But what you should have done is listen to myself and Andrew um, as we took Fulham, a mysterious plus 230 playing a very weak Everton team, and they won just like we thought they would. So Andrew and I are starting the season 230 bucks into the green. That's the furthest into the green that I have ever been in the history of this podcast. Same, pal. Same. <laughs> it's oh, I feel like Scrooge McDuck right now. I am just lying on top of my money, just doing <laughs> snow angels. It feels so good. <laughs> All right, and then uh, we're not going to hammer you at all, Lundberg. Uh, I don't think your bet was a bad bet by any means. You took Aston Villa at a plus 390. Those are some really good odds. The game I didn't go your so. way. Yeah, the game didn't go your way, but that's not a bad bet in my humble advice or opinion, whatever it is. But unfortunately, a loss is a loss. You lost $100, so you're at negative 100 right now for the season. But don't worry, you have... 37 more weeks to figure this out. And that rounds us out by bringing us to Nate, who shame, shame, Nate. You should have dribbled the ball into the corner like you did last year and uh, just taking your small winnings. But you went with Bournemouth at a plus 175. They drew, so it's not like uh, you missed out that bad. It's not like they got crushed. Um, there, it was a draw, but draws are losses when you're picking a winner. So, Nate, you are also at negative 100 for this week. Uh, we'll start with Tim because he's not on the podcast. Tim is uh, branching out into the positives this week, meaning he's actually taking an underdog. He is taking Tottenham Hotspurs, who are playing at home against Manchester United on Saturday morning. Tottenham right now is a plus 180 underdog, meaning that if Tim wins, he'll cash out $180 on that bet. Not a bad pick with how Manchester United looked this week. So, uh, Nate. Negative hundred dollars. How are you flipping it around this week? Well, I looked back last year. I lost my first three weeks and still finished the season in the positive. So I'm not discouraged. It's a long, I'm playing the long game. I'm playing the long game so much that I'm taking a favorite 
and I am taking Aston Villa at negative 155. Uh, they are at home against Everton. So taking a little page out of your guys' playbook, uh, betting against Everton, but Villa at home, negative 155 as a favorite. But I like I like those odds for being at home against a really bad team. Yeah, it's it's not a not bad at all. Um, you know, anytime you can bet against Everton, you're gonna win more times than you're gonna lose. So not a bad idea. Uh, Mr. Lundberg, we're gonna kick it over to you. You're our other one sitting at negative one hundred dollars right now. How are you getting out of the red? Yeah, so you know, based on my limited knowledge here, it makes the most sense to simply bet on kits at this point so based on the impressive forest kit from this week and reflecting back on the overall worst collection which is sheffield by far uh it really felt taking the the underdog forest at a plus 360 over sheffield to get me back into the into the in the positive so uh, okay so this is where maybe the english versus american betting lines might have caught you by surprise oh okay I the way it's listed is actually Sheffield United's the underdog. So Sheffield United is the plus 360. Nottingham, oh, yeah, Nottingham yeah, okay. Forest is a minus 115 favorite. Well, I'll switch it to Forest as the favorite. There okay. we go. We'll Still feel there. good about it. Yeah, you should. Um, I actually looked at that game, and I was very tempted to take Sheffield United because that plus 360 is a pretty good number. But I think Forest looked much, much better than Sheffield United did. So I would not have the greatest hopes of that hitting. So not a bad bet at all. Uh, a minus 115, it is going to pay you out at $86.96 if you win. So you'll be almost back to even. Not as good as 360, but hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Hey, we're early. Like Nate said, he lost his first three weeks. So, all right, Andrew, we're going to kick it over to you. You are sitting at a positive $230. Who are you going with this week? Well, I have uh, decided to uh, put my money where my mouth is. Um, to uh, Last week, I said that I think West Ham is going to fall off fast. Uh, also, we didn't learn anything about them this week because they played, what, Bournemouth? Um, so I am going to take Chelsea on the road to beat West Ham. All right. It's, so it's not that road. far of a ride. I realize it's it's still London. Yeah. And uh, they are the favorite, even though they are on the road. So they're a minus 110 favorite. Um, so you'd be looking at a 90, almost $91 win there as a minus 110 favorite. So uh, kind of a safe pick. I commend you. And we'll see how that one turns out. So that brings it to me. Um, there were a couple of lines that I was very tempted by. I think Newcastle at plus 460 is a really interesting bet. I mean, because they're they're a huge underdog at plus 460, and I understand it's City. Um, but that's a really good matchup, and that's a high number to be getting a pretty dang good team at. So that one interests me. Um, uh, and then just for shits and giggles. Um, oh, no, that was the following week. Luton plays Chelsea on the road the week after, and the odds are pretty astronomical right now, which is kind of fun. So, um, But at the end of the day, I said, you know what? I think Tim is going to get this one wrong, 
And I think Manchester United is going to look a lot better on Saturday than they did this week against Wolves. Or we're going to find out that maybe Wolves are really good and United actually didn't play as bad as we thought. So Uh, so I'm taking Man United. They are a plus 140, meaning I can pocket 140 on that one. Um, They are on the road. They are the slight favorite still on that one. Um, But I like it when I can get who I think a top four team is at plus odds. I'm going to take that. So I like it. So that is it for this week's FanDuel Best Bet. Don't forget to visit your FanDuel kiosk where you can get keychains and trinkets galore. Back to you, Nate. Oh, thanks, FanDuel. Uh, I do think we need to start tagging them in our posts. We should. When you post the new episodes up, just be like brought to you by FanDuel and just see if anyone ever reaches out and if they're like, Will you guys please stop? Or if they're like, hey, keep going. We like it. Great idea. I say start start tagging them. Let's see what happens. I will. I'll start it this week. Uh, Chris Lundberg, what match are you going to be highlighting this weekend? So after looking at the games coming up, the Newcastle-Man City match uh, seemed like an obvious fit. So this week I'm going to be watching Newcastle, obviously a tough, Draw going up against Man City, but thought it would be a good opportunity to see how they play against the top of the top and uh, excited to watch them. Great. Um, It's a great game choice. It's a great game choice. I did joke with Chris earlier. We were texting on the side and I said, I was like, gosh, yeah, you're choosing all the great games. I'm like, but you do know that soon you're going to have to watch Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. So, but... (laughs) It's well, coming. I got I got I got I got to slowly weave, weave my way into that. So that's right. Well, a couple things to know about Newcastle, since you're going to be focusing on them and some things I learned actually for the first time, uh, they, they're, a, they're a big club. Like they're one of England's most successful clubs. Traditionally, they have spent 91 of their seasons in the top flight and they have never dropped below the second tier. In their history. So pretty remarkable run. That's wild. Success for them. Uh, they play at St. James Park. It is a beautiful ground from what I can see on TV. I've never been, but uh, I would love to go and watch a match there sometime. Really unique looking, classic looking ground. Uh, that's where the good kind of stops because they are owned by the Public Investment Fund, which is the Saudi Arabian government. Basically, it's a really like bland way to say owned by murderers. Um, so this and- is like Phil Mickelson, the Phil Mickelson of soccer. Yeah, yeah, it's the oh, Phil, yeah. Phil Mickelson that's, of soccer. That's uh, that's a that's a that's a that's not that's not a good look. It's not. I do want to I do want to throw out there that that was the voice of Nate Hughes speaking against Saudi Arabia. It was not that of Chris Smith, Chris Lundberg, or Andrew Hufflin. <laughs> Solely Nate Hughes. That's solely Nate Hughes. Arizona. When I end up uh, the opinions that, expressed on this podcast do not represent all podcasters on this podcast. So when I end up I, dead, just please spare the other fathers. Um. So yeah, obviously, like really complicated, uh, really complicated. There, they had a horrific owner before by the name of Mike Ashley. He was dog shit, garbage. I mean, really, really bad. And so they 
Yeah, I mean, they essentially sold their soul to have an amazing team, and they do. They finished fourth last year. They're in the Champions League. They have made very smart investing. I don't think the the PIF is also running and managing the club. I don't know enough about them to know uh, actually who's making a lot of the decisions, but they've spent a good amount of money, but it's not like they're just outbidding everyone and spending just outrageous amounts of money. They've signed really smartly and uh, have continued to improve the, the team. They play a four, three, three, very strong defensively. Uh, their back four is really solid led by uh, Kieran Trippier. He is a stud right back. I think he's their vice captain. Um, uh, the uh, guy named Isak leads the line. He scored two goals this weekend. He's their number nine. Uh, Miguel Almiron is a winger to look out for. He played in the MLS for Atlanta United and went straight from Atlanta to Newcastle. So probably the most successful MLS to premier league player in a long time. I don't know. I don't know if Clint Dempsey, I think Clint Dempsey went from premier league to MLS. The other way. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but, but for sure in the recent history, Miguel Almiron, and he scored a ton of goals last year, had a really good season. Uh, Midfielders, Bruno Gamarish, really remarkable midfielder. And, uh, and then they just signed Tonali and he had a really great game. Um, So, their keeper is is Nick Pope. He's really good as well. So those are some names to look out for. Um, Love it. Looking forward to it. And this and game's be, at Man City, right? And it's at City. So it'll be really yeah. interesting to see how, how they fare. Um, Tickets still available if you're interested in going. <laughs> Not a surprise. City. Like, Man City probably doesn't care at this point after all the matches that they – well, the, at the highest level. Newcastle coming in isn't isn't as uh exciting. Well, the biggest joke is is just that city doesn't really have a fan base. And so um there's there's like not really that many city fans, but they're just an incredible club. And so uh, they don't sell out their games and they haven't sold out a home opener in a while. And it's just fun. It's kind of like the Rams. Right, right. I think that uh, that match is clearly the match of the weekend, but, but it's, it's interesting because there are a couple other matches that I think are going to tell us some stuff. I think Fulham Brentford, they both were two teams that overperformed last year. I think they finished eight and nine last season. And so kind of the bottom of the top half, I'm excited to watch that match. I think it should be hard fought. And then Spurs United, I think classically um, will be uh, a good should should be a good match. I do feel yeah. like it might be it it could be a little bit like uh Liverpool Chelsea was unless one team just smacks the other one down. If it's a close match, it might be one of those where it's like, well what do we I don't know if especially United coming off especially both those teams coming off the games they have. Are Wolves really really good or is United down kind of like what we've already talked about but i do think spurs united will be a good match to watch 
Now, did you see that the Burnley Lutontown match has officially been postponed? Um, Lutontown has asked that the home opener be pushed back a couple of weeks to uh, continue their renovation of the grounds. It's not ready yet. It's not up to Premier League standards, so they will not be playing this weekend. Is this like a an anomaly? Does this happen much? The the only Never time. Seen. The, the only time. Okay, because I know the loop story here like in obviously it's a crazy stadium the whole deal but like do they postpone games get teams get their pitches in shape like it's wild i think it's actually the grant I, I don't even think it's the pitch i think it's like the capacity and like their ability to host a premier league match so um uh-huh. yeah no it's the the closest thing to it is that spurs when they were creating that london that massive new stadium in london they ended up playing that got delayed quite a bit and they played a few seasons, I think at Wembley um, while they were waiting for their ground to be finished. But no, I think a delay like this for a ground not being prepared is especially at the premier league level is I think a bit unprecedented. Can't they just play it somewhere else? Like that's weird that they would postpone and mess up the schedule for the other teams too. Like it seems like they just find somewhere else to play the game. I, I will say the one thing I've learned about the Premier League is they'll postpone games for eight. So, like, <laughs> when the Queen died last year, they didn't play for almost a month. And then there was another situation where there was a uh, – oh, the coronation of the new king. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they did play that weekend, except in a couple of spots there weren't enough royal guards available that they thought there were uh, safety concerns. Uh, because they didn't have enough police available to be at uh, the stadium. So they postponed a couple of those games. So they are definitely not afraid of pushing games. It's something that they'll do. You're on mute. And that's when the NFL and the Premier League divert. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yeah. The NFL doesn't care. They're like, no, we're playing on Sunday. We'll move it to – we'll move it anywhere. We're going to play Yeah, 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 you get like an occasional flex, but I do think because of the nature of of uh, European soccer, with multiple cups, with right. there's all these other competitions happening mid season, they have to be. They're flexible. used to playing twice a week, yeah, and they're used to being flexible. Like, oh shoot, right. this team advanced. We didn't anticipate this team to advance, so now or the draw hadn't even taken place yet. So I think, yeah, they're just more used to being flexible. So it's good. Yeah. Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at SoccerNeophytes.com. Uh, that's that's all we got. <laughs> all right. Glazers out. Fosin out. See you, boys. <laughs>